When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Anna Davis here. Before we start the show, just a quick disclaimer about the quality of the sound. Apologies for the uh, in and out. We sound like we're in three different caves, and in many ways we are. We've been in lockdown for eight weeks. Jay, our producer, is in somewhere else, and uh, my microphone was buzzing, and I had to change computers, and uh, it was... Anyway, we've recorded quite a long podcast, uh, which we thoroughly enjoyed doing, so let's... Roll the music. Now Bold. And it's Tony Adams put through by Steve Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Hello, I'm Alan Davis. You are listening to the Tuesday Club. This is the Arsenal podcast and I've got Ian Stone with me this afternoon. How are you, Ian? Uh... <laughs> It's a complex question, but I'm okay. Is how I am today, right now at twelve twenty-two. Still, uh, obviously, uh, in lockdown. No, I was in town yesterday. I went into town yesterday, into the centre of London. I had to put proper trousers on and everything. It was weird. The whole thing was just weird. There's a few people about, but um, yeah, I, and I scuttled back to East Finchley as soon as I could. And Ty Papula is here. How are you two? You all right? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm not too bad. I mean, I don't know how the, I don't know how the kitchen gets as messy as quickly as I've cleaned it. Um, <laughs> You're on your own. You're on your own. I've got three other people here. I don't know what to buy from Amazon today. I haven't decided yet, but it'll be something. Um, buy a microphone for Alan. Buy a microphone. That's what I need. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the microphone, my friend. I just got all the wrong boxes ticked <laughs> on my. <laughs> I have a new hat. I, I used to take quite an interest in the old days in my baseball cap. So this one says, "Will travel for disco." Will travel for disco. Yeah, yeah. I am. It's from a company called Arranging Things. I did pay for it. I'm just telling you. Right. Have they have they got any that say can't travel anywhere? <laughs> yeah. It's more in hope than expectation. But I've started yeah. a new um um started I've I've started loads of new hobbies in, in, in lockdown now. Have you? Well, yeah. Um I've been making uh I've been making collages and stuff. So I'm trying to do a version of Cold War Steve, which is called Double Winning Soul, basically, which is like right. like lots of lots of uh Cold War Steve things but in football, but Soul Campbell in a fur coat in the corner of each picture. Um, I'm not sure who my Silla, it's, it's Silla back for him, isn't it? Was it Silla back who he always has in the corner of his in, in his stuff in Cold War Steve? Can I just say I didn't understand any of that sentence? It's a collage and Cold War Steve. You can look up all these things. These are popular reference points in culture around <laughs> okay. today. You should check out Cold War Steve if you haven't done already, Stoney. You'd all like. right, I will. I'll but um, that's a long way of saying yeah, not too bad. Some weeks are better than others, and it's the same for everyone. Yeah. But this football well, Sorry, I'm just right? Googling Cold War Steve, mate. You carry on nattering. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the official Cold War Steve website. Cold War Steve does kind of digital collages and there are social commentary and social and political commentary and they're very funny and you'd very much like it. I'm surprised that you haven't availed yourself of him before. 
Al, Al, yeah? we used to do social and political commentary. Do you remember that? Social and political commentary was a big yeah. part of my uh, yeah. my life. I remember seeing Tony Benn in uh, Hyde Park. When you Google Tony Benn, T, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. I know Tony no, Benn. You at... don't know who Cold War Steve I'm not, is. Look, no, of course I know who Cold War Steve is. Why would I? I'm looking at his montages. I'm sure they're, they're loving it. But, T, this is a, we're doing an audio thing, mate. Can you? <laughs> now you've got me looking at someone's pictures and then I've got to try and describe them to our dwindling number of freeloading scum. But the point is you don't have to describe Get back them. They, focus. <laughs> they all know. Focus on the Arsenal. There's nothing about the Arsenal in Cold War Steve. No. But there is in Cold War Soul, which was my point in the first place. But do you know what? I feel like I've lost it. I feel like Cold I lost the War point. Soul. Do you want me to Google that now? No, there isn't no. one yet. What are you doing? What are you going on about? <laughs> Hours of preparation. I put into this and you just come up with something. Oh, Everyone else is screaming at, the, at their phones going, we know who Cold War Steve is. No, everyone else. No, they not. Ev- no, everyone else is. We'll soon find right. out. <laughs> Write in, listener. <laughs> Write in. Tell us if you know who Cold War Steve, or more importantly, if you care. Hello to all our listeners from uh, uh, overseas, of which there are many. Uh, apologies <laughs> <laughs> for this. For this very likely to be heavily edited opening. Um, anyway, read of football. How are you feeling about uh, today? We're recording, listener, on the Saturday, the sixteenth of May. Uh, Arsenal was supposed to be playing, I think, someone this weekend. I think we were supposed to be playing Watford, weren't we? Was that the last game of the season? Well, it's Watford tomorrow, Sunday, three o'clock kickoff. Watford, last game of the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, relegation decided on the day and all the rest of it. And Watford would very much have been in the in the thick of that because they were down there. Uh, we might have been, might have been going for a top four place. Let's say we are. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, All right. let's say let's we're do going. that. A Champions League qualification. We would have been doing our best to avoid... Because um, St Tottenham's Day would have still been up for grabs at this point. No, we'd have been well up. We'd have been well above them by now. They were falling away. This is Tottenham. A negative spiral was catching on. Yeah. And um, yeah. we would have left them for dust by now. Right, let's just let's, let's live on that. On what? Let's live on the fact that they would have been... Um, we, they would have been in our... Uh, wing mirror by now um because we had a game in hand on them didn't we well we're above them on we are above them on points per game which is very significant in that if the season does end we will finish above them and uh as in say totteringham's day will be about july the 31st which is quite late it's one of perhaps the latest latest one ever but at the (laughs) moment we're currently we have a game in hand of them and we're behind but on points per game we're above them so Ways to finish above Tottenham. This is one of my all-time favourites. But uh, we might we might yet be forced to play ridiculous matches behind closed doors if they could test everyone and if people haven't got the virus. But people are still getting the virus. It's obviously not going to happen for at least a month, is it? Well, we're watching the German football today, aren't we? And just to see how they cope. And then, you know, if they do it the right way, we'd sort of go, all right, we'll do that. We'll essentially go the German way. And, and what is their way? Their way is to test... Everybody on the way in, everybody present. There's about 300 people who have to go to a football game, I believe, and they have to test them and then maybe put them in a hotel for a couple of weeks. Didn't a manager go out for toothpaste and then get banned from the the games 
for the next two weeks. So all the teams have been in quarantine for a week. Yeah. So there was a bit of a hoo-ha early on in the week because I think four players, I think one of the games will be off because I can't remember, but one of the teams had four players testing, like testing positive. Yeah. So one of the games are, are off. Um, it is weird, isn't it? I mean, I wild away a few minutes this morning watching a very good goal in the K-League and then took took stock of my life choices and turned it <laughs> off again. But I will I will probably have a look at the German will football you? later on. I don't football. care. I do not care. I don't care anyway. Even if it was on with crowds, I wouldn't care. And the fact that there's no crowds and I don't have a team, I mean, who gives a monkeys? Is football behind closed doors? It's like doing a gig on Zoom. People are going to be watching it, though, don't you think? I mean, they're talking well, about people not just uh, in, who are interested in football, but people from... I was reading an article, people saying the people in the NBA are going to be watching, the people in, in all those American sports, the baseball leagues are going to be watching. Is it possible to play major professional sport behind closed doors with significant testing of the participants and then play your sport behind closed doors but on a screen for the next few months. So if you think about the baseball season, it's supposed to be just started. Yeah. And they, they're looking to play all the way through to October. Can they do it? So everyone is going to be interested. I totally agree. No one cares what the scores are. I mean, I, I, do, have you ever been interested in another league? I've watched the Classico a couple of times. Yeah. I watched the Spanish football. Cause I've tried to watch the and... Spanish football, but it's as boring as all other football. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like watching Ronaldo and Messi when they're at their high. Football's and only interesting <laughs> if you give a shit about what's happening. I mean, if it's really <laughs> it's causing you actual emotional pain, what you're seeing, if you're getting irate, I've been irate with the balls out of play. I've been irate. <laughs> the game's not even going on and I'm irate. I've been so irate with people holding onto a ball and not throwing it back for four <laughs> seconds. Throw it back! Throw it back! I mean, that's me. At the Emirates, when we're a goal down, get on with it! The time-wasting, the goalkeeper. Can you imagine booing anyone at the top of your lungs? You're booing a six-foot-four-inch goalie who's wasted time. That's how much you care when it's Arsenal. But it's not Arsenal. This is what I'm like. <laughs> I just know. I couldn't care less. No. I'm no. trying to work up some support for, for Cologne. I've, I've tried Why? to pick a team. Because I'm Why? trying to pick a team. Because I'm trying to involve myself emotionally. I'm trying to invest... Oh, on and we went to Cologne. We went to Cologne oh, right. to you see our, to see them play Arsenal. Right, and it was a really it was a great trip. I was quite happy with your Cologne selection, and disappointed when the best you came out with was they've got excellent transport links <laughs> on our on our WhatsApp group. Kind of deflated, kind of deflated the balloon slightly. I uh, well, the point is uh, uh, when I said on our WhatsApp group that I'm supporting Cologne because of their excellent transport links. <laughs> Uh, that was a joke. The transport links are shocking. I nearly died on the tram on the way in. And then we left the ground early because we were losing. And I got a seat on a tram on the way back, which was a miracle. And then two blokes stood next to me and farted in my face. I, I, honestly, I thought one of them had defecated, had soiled himself. And so my experiences, <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about inches from my face. So, that, you know, you sit down and then 500 people get on and stand. And all you've got arseholes all around your nose. And someone is letting rip all the and Pete and they're young and they're laughing about it. And I thought this person is deliberately shitting in my eyes. And that is my <laughs> that is my lasting memory of the Cologne transport system. And we lost the game, but I really like Cologne. I had such a nice yeah. time there. Everyone was so friendly in the bars and the restaurants. We went to one restaurant and it was golf themed, and we had joking with a bloke about Bernhard Langer. It was really good fun. We should have stayed there. <laughs> 
<laughs> if we knew how the season was going to pan out, we should have stayed there. All right, well, I mean, I've got to be honest, I haven't had any sort of extreme journeys to any German city, so it's hard. Have you been to any German team's stadiums? No, I've never been to a German football match. I've watched How do you feel few... about Germany these days, Ian? I know you've got... <laughs> really? <laughs> Quite a troubled relationship with them. <laughs> In, listen, it was all a long time ago. I, I didn't know, have but a I don't, want to, I don't want to push you on that. I don't want to push you no, on that. No, I didn't have a favourite German player growing up, but I lived with my grandparents. It was a touchy subject. But, touchy subject. <laughs> touchy subject. Now, I, I like I like everything about Germany. I've done loads of gigs over there. It's a lovely, lovely place. But I don't care about watching football behind closed doors. I think have it's you gigged over there? So where, where have you gigged? Berlin, Hamburg, Munich. Sorry, this sounds like pop music, didn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, might be another Everybody one as well. Talk about. <laughs> talk about. Yeah, um, yeah. I've gigged all over there, and I'm going over again in uh, in November. And I was saying, I, I don't, I don't know if the gigs are going to go ahead. And the German guy who booked me went, "Oh no, they'll go ahead." We're fine. And so, is it all English comedians, or do you get a mix of German and English? Is the whole night in English? No, no, you get Americans, you get a few Germans, you get English, all sorts. And the audiences are lovely and they've got the same sense of humour we've got. I love the country. I just don't care about their... You don't have a team. No. No. So so you're saying Cologne. Can we support the same team, me and you? You can support Cologne, if you like. Keith claims that he supported Cologne before I did, so characteristically. (laughs) But we we were together in Cologne. It's one of uh, our many bonding experiences. He might have, get, how did, get some by the way, crap in our eyes. How did you almost die on the tram there? By the way, it was so full. Right. Okay. It was. I, it wasn't like a. I couldn't properly breathe. Right. Okay. It wasn't. Okay. It wasn't a proper medical emergency. I it thought was it was dangerously full. I go to the Emirates on the overground. It's lovely. I mean, you can stand up and read a book on the way in. Right. The only time it was ever a bad experience was when there were loads of Stoke City supporters on it. And as you know, anything involving Stoke City is a bad experience. <laughs> so you ever been a team you're more pleased to be relegated in your life than Stoke City? No, that was one of the high points in my entire life. Stoke going down was a beautiful moment, That's watching beautiful. their fans cry. And they were having a terrible time in the Championship, but they did have a, they, they rallied a little bit. Yeah, they did. Saying that, I admitted to actually following Stokes' results and hoping for the worst. Yeah, but of course you did. We all did. Why wouldn't we? Horrible. I don't think I'm alone with that. Yeah. Do you remember after the after the Brexit vote and uh, and obviously the Leave campaign won the vote, and then they were still angry for months afterwards about people who wanted to argue about how to leave the European. There was this phrase going around about they're going around the battlefield stabbing corpses. They're not happy enough. And that was what you were like with Stoke City. You just followed them. Are they not down enough? They're down. I want him. I want. I want him dead. I want his family dead. I watched that the other day. I love watching that. Great film. Is that? Is that uh, good film? Untouchables. 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 Robert De Niro. Wonderful. Yeah. What accent is Sean Connery doing in that? Yeah, he's doing Sean Connery. He always does Sean Connery. But he's trying to do Irish, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. It's a little bit weird. But he's they don't to know Irish and it's just not working. <laughs> they should have put yeah. him in normal people. He'd have ruined it. I haven't seen that. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen that. Apparently there's lots of... Um, set in Ireland. Set in Ireland. Lots of sex in it. That's what I've been told. Right. But no, but no Sean Connery. I tried to tell you the other day, Al, about um, going to see FC Nuremberg in um, 1990, I think it was. Stone mid-table, goal... but they're only three points above the drop. So, yeah, you went to see Nuremberg. Yeah, I went to see Nuremberg in 1990, and their goalkeeper, Andy Kirpka, who was like... Um, 
yeah, you mentioned I think he's a German keeper. Yeah, I mentioned yeah. this the other day. But again, I'm, I'm just talking to the listeners here because you're just going to say you don't know what I'm talking about. Which is <laughs> what you did the other day. Andy <laughs> Kirkka. Was... You've got to improve your conversational style. You've got to give a bit of information as you're talking and not just try and run away from people you're talking to. And they have to pursue <laughs> you going, oh, Dale, please help us, fount of wisdom. Does he make... Uh, uh, you were talking about make... this, uh, 30 years ago, the goalkeeper for her to Berlin. We were long yeah. established that we had zero interest in the Bundesliga. Does he make <laughs> collages? FC Nuremberg. <laughs> Does he make collages? <laughs> Maybe he's... <laughs> Maybe he does. Maybe no, you're thinking of Seth Meyer. Seth Meyer did the Maybe. collages. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hard with gloves on as well. But he yeah. Managed. And uh, what's his name? <laughs> Old Jens, Jens Lehmann. Oh, he made a collage out of Manuel Almunia's internal organs. <laughs> <laughs> he did not take that. He didn't take that well being left there. Come on. Sorry, T. Sorry, T. Just excuse our ignorance. <laughs> Please, please enlighten us. I'll just say, um, Andy Kirpka, uh scored, uh, was a goal, goal, a penalty-taking goalkeeper, in, and he was he was national keeper. You've heard of him, Stoney, haven't you? Well, only because you said it the other day, and I oh, was right, vaguely listening. That's not a good reason. <laughs> but anyway, my team's hurt to Berlin, because I've been to see them a few times. All right. Hurt to Berlin. Berlin. I do against... remember, in the rather brilliant book, I don't know if you've read it, Football Against the Enemy by Simon... Cooper, oh, K-U- yes, yes. K-U-P-E-R. That's my favourite, apart from uh, the rather brilliant Pete Davies book about the World Cup. Andrea, Andreas Kupka, here he is, born 12th of March 1962. He was in the German squad that won the 1990 FIFA World Cup and he was in the 94 World Cup squad, although he did not play in any of the matches. Bodo Ilgner was preferred in goal. Bodo Ilgner later had all of his collages on show in the Berlin Gallery of Art. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Andreas Kirka. Hang on, I'm going to look up his stats for you. Uh, Hertha BSC played 71 times for them, and he scored twice for Nuremberg in 620 appearances. He scored two goals, and one of them you were there when he was playing for Nuremberg. In he was there from '86 to '94. There you are. Here you are too. There's your Andreas. I was 14 and I was trying to explain to, uh, it was an exchange trip. I was trying to explain to, I was trying to sing Who's the Wanker in the Black to the other uh, German students. And then some guys behind um, turned around and translated it as the Black Wanker and pointed to me. So that was good. Wow. Oh my God. Wow. Oh, 14 as well. Jeez. Oh my word. We all laughed. I went to see a, a, a game at Wembley in 1988. It was the Football League Select 11. This was to celebrate the centenary of the Football League. And they played a rest of the world team. And the rest of the world team featured Diego Maradona. And Diego Maradona didn't get a good reception off the English fans. Uh, two years after. Two years uh, after the, the, hand, the hand of God. Yeah. And so most of what you could hear throughout the celebration of football was Maradona is a wanker, is a wanker. Maradona is a wanker, is a wanker. Maradona. 80, 85 of the 90 minutes, and there were two Italian lads next to me, two Italian lads, and one of them said to me, it's kind of wanker, is it wanker? And I had to just had to do the gesture. I had to do a little wanker gesture in front of my crotch and the moment I began to do it the moment I t- put the tip of my index finger onto the tip of my thumb uh, slightly somewhat exaggerating the girth of my actual penis 
that they both nodded and went, ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And immediately understood. Now, I don't know if they were Neapolitans or I didn't get I no Italian at all and they had no English and that was the end of our conversation. Universal language, I mean. This is Wanker, universal. the universal language of masturbation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be on, Later on, listener, we, <laughs> we will be talking. We're starting up this week the Tuesday Book Club, which is something that... Uh, Tyre and I talked about it some time ago. It was a possible idea for this podcast. And the book we're going to be talking about is Dennis Burkamp's Stillness and Speed. But I'll quickly reference something about now before we talk about it later, which is uh, there's a, an Italian journalist called Michele Dalai who wrote a book called Against Tiki Taka. It's not actually called that. It's called Contro Tiki Taka or something like that. And uh, it's quite I, – I put some of it into Google Translate, and it's quite funny. He's quite funny about it. He talks about – you know what it's like when you're sitting around a table and everyone starts purring about Barcelona and why doesn't everyone play football like Barcelona? And you're sitting there thinking, I don't like Barcelona. I don't like this football. It's suffocating and boring. And he calls it masturbation football, which is why, which is for. <laughs> I feel the same. I feel the same way about jazz. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> Oh my I'm god! Glad you said jazz I genuinely and not do. Now, otherwise, it's going out of hand. Eight, Eighteen-minute saxophone solo, just masturbating away on your instrument. Stop it! This is a terrible conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, you know what's happening now to you, Tide? We're getting you for that bullshit about C6 Steve or whatever it was at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I do know who that is. You see, because I watched Jules Holland. He's yeah, he was great on that. He had a clog dancer <laughs> once. It was great. <laughs> T's sulking now, Alan. He's sulking. Later on, T, I'm going to mention an R&B artist from 2008, and you will not know them. You're going to wind up to it. <laughs> right. Well, if he won't know them, I definitely won't know them. I don't on. know them. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Pick one off Spotify. <laughs> it's, no, it's not Spotify. It's football related. It's rather brilliant. And I, when I found okay. it, I thought, I'll tell you like that. But you've so pissed right. me off with the way you took the mickey out of us from not knowing all the world's collage artists. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm coming for you now, my friend. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm not really. I'm really joking. <laughs> uh, well, what should we talk about? So there's no football store. Arsenal haven't bought any players. No, there's no know. movement on the transfer market. The, the agents are still doing their work. The transfer gossip columns and all the websites, they're still actively putting about every bit of gossip. But no moves are going are happening, are they? Do you? The window's do you pay, not open yet. Do you pay any attention to this, by the way? Do you either? I, I, go, I Google Arsenal every day of my life at least twice. Yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, I just... I just... I put Arsenal into a search bar every day of my life. In normal time, yeah. Um, yeah, now. In, in normal time, already. yeah, but this is this is, this is tricky. Well, the last anything up. I saw, the only thing I saw was that people were getting excited about. Is it Thomas Partey? What are the chances of Thomas Partey coming to Arsenal? I mean, nonsense. Well, I half read. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really paid much attention. Money but it don't sing a dance and it don't walk. <laughs> you started off in the wrong key there, Al. That's I don't surprising. know what key I'm in. I do know that when Mesut Ozil sang that to Unai Emery, it was the beginning of the end. Well, yeah. You, you, you felt sorry Unai for Unai Emery. Unai Emery poked his, poked his head out. Um, That's what I, I, thought. Thought, I thought Unai Emery... I did feel sorry for Unai Emery. And I, and, uh, because I thought it was a decent man who worked really, really hard and was let down by one or two players in a squad. 
And he talked in, there's an interview with Una Emery today, listener, in the Guardian newspaper, uh, which sounds like the journalist did it over Zoom, because he talks about the expressions on Emery's face and the and his hand gestures. And, and uh, it obviously hurt him that he couldn't get full commitment from all of the players, but... He didn't name names. He didn't throw anyone under the bus. And he, you know, and he, he said he felt unprotected uh, by the club hierarchy. Um, and I think he felt it obviously hurt him badly the way things, the way things went. And I just think, you know, he worked hard, and it was it didn't go well in the end. But I don't have any ill will towards uh, towards him at all. The catastrophe for us was that we've blew those matches against Palace and Brighton. But the most interesting thing he said for me, I don't know about how you feel about this, was he wanted Zaha. He really wanted Zaha. He said, this guy can win games by himself. He beat Manchester City. He beat Tottenham. He beat Arsenal pretty much on his own as their principal attacking threat, a massive talent. I think we'll all agree on that. And that's who he wanted to bring to Arsenal as for an immediate impact in the Premier League. Uh, Palace obviously didn't want to sell and they wanted huge... They talking about £80 million for him and Arsenal were talking about forty, and they were so a little bit yeah. far apart. But the point of the story is that the signing of Nicolas Pepe was nothing to do with him. And uh, in, the, in the Arsene Wenger's day, that wouldn't happen. But now the coach has to work under Raul Sanyeli and Edu. And, and so it's a different system is what I'm saying. And he, he thinks if he'd got... He probably thinks he was right about that call. Whether he's right in the long term, I don't know. And we saw Zaha fail at Manchester United, but he went there very young, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know about that interview. <clears throat> I mean, I know he's clearly a decent guy. Um, I know you're a fan of season two um, of The Wire, Alan. Yeah. And some would say some would say it's the best season. Is that the one with the collage artist? The one with the collage artist too. I need you to get past that. <laughs> he, he, has, he has an affair with the gay dealer who kills everyone. What was his name? <laughs> Season two, right? Which, what was his um, name, that guy? Steve. Sonning Steve. 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 No, Steve, not Steve. Steve. <laughs> what was the character's name to you? He was a kind of maverick dealer who everyone was scared of. Omar. Omar coming. You forgot Omar Omar's name. He, he would turn up, I forgot Omar's name. He'd turn up and he'd go and rob dealers, wouldn't he? He would go and rob them. And if they saw him coming, they would throw all their stuff out onto the pavement rather than face him. <laughs> that's a bit that's basically what the um goalkeeper did against uh Zaragoza when uh, Carney was coming through. He just sort of threw himself instead of out the window, just Get threw Tebow. himself on the on the ground. But listen, Emery reminded me a little bit of Ziggy, Ziggy Zabotka. Um, oh. Not only because he, uh-huh. like, you know, the way that um, the one point when Ziggy's trying to be a big shot dealer goes up to a character in it, um, his character called Frog, um, and mm-hmm. Frog, Frog just, Frog just says, "Yeah, the counts." He just gives him short money, and Ziggy's kind of there fuming away. That's Meza Urzil, basically. The dressing room was like going instead of saying Barksdale week right now, they were going Emery week right now. And they just kind of ignored him. They just messed with him all the time. So Ozil, you know, I, there's one story I remember, uh, was it in um, Graham Hunter's book, talking about um, Messi and somebody tries to, one of the coaches, it might, be, it might even have been Guardiola or Reichard, tries to have a go at Messi for something, tell him to stop drinking a can of Coke. So Messi silently stands up, goes back to the vending machine, gets another can of Coke and sits down again. Like just that kind of, ins- that kind of insolence is 
where Emery was left with this team, Emery was, you know, with the most high-profile example of it being Ozil, of course. But, you know, we all heard the stories about them, you know, mocking him, mocking his accent and so forth. Ozil had Absolutely a little carbo, gone. didn't he? He had a little carbo. Him and, him and uh, Kolasinac and Mustafi, as I understand it, were very close friends. And uh, yeah, he had a problem there, didn't he? Anyway, listen, he, he, he ended up losing his job because things fell apart. Yeah, I just thought um, the interview didn't really, uh, you know, he said, I have to take responsibility and then spent, you know, however many words not taking responsibility. And you're right that not all of it is his fault. Well, I don't think that's fair, right? He's been interviewed. Why Why he's agreed to be interviewed is probably because he's bored out of his mind and he'd like to get a job for the new season. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he would probably like to work in England. He said he really liked working in England. He really particularly liked the loyalty of the fans. He said it's not like other countries. And you remember, he's, he's been around a little bit. He said the way people love their club so much is something that he really loved about England and he liked English football. He's done, a, he's done an interview with a major newspaper very much saying, I want to work, I want a job and I want to work next season. This is pretty standard practice for an out-of-work out of work manager. And uh, he... He's, uh, he didn't run down any players by name and he didn't run down a club. But I think if he comes back in the opposition dugout, he'll get a fair hand. You know, he's not going to get booed. Yeah, I guess. I guess he will. I was I was sort of pretty unmoved by what he said. I thought most of the football was terrible. I think at the end of it, give it 15 years, he'll be going, what's the name of that bloke that managed between Arsene Wenger and, and Mikel Arteta? I think it'll be that. I think it wow, was a really quite... Are... Well, Indeed, it was a it was a forgettable it was a very forgettable time, wasn't it? Well, that four two against Tottenham wasn't forgettable. Aside <laughs> from that, aside from that, but you know we beat Tottenham quite regularly. It's a bit similar with Bruce Rook, isn't it? Fall out with your fall out with your star man, become a very very small footnote in um, in Arsenal history. Except Bruce Rook was the one who got who Dennis Bergkamp. Uh, so changed everything. His book speaks quite highly of Bruce Riop. He does. And also, uh, uh, Emery did say that he spoke to Mikel Arteta at Christmas and he said Arteta's the right man and I wish him every success, you know. He's a decent, he's a decent man. I, I don't wish him ill. For him. I was just glad when he got sacked. I, wish he said, I think the problem all the way, I, I was still, he had to go. I think the problem all the way through has been the, this Mesut Ozil conundrum, which no, no one... He says in the interview, you know, previously I've got good performances out of the top players. And it's obviously a source of great frustration to him that he couldn't motivate Mesut Ozil. He couldn't get Ozil going. And we've sit there and we've watched Ozil play for three years now. And it's turning into a bit of a Charlie Nicholas where you see flashes of bewildering brilliance. It's beautiful. Beautiful. And then, and then anonymity for long periods. And it's heartbreaking. You see, you think, oh, my God, the talent, the gift he had. Yeah. And uh, and the, and then the work the work ethic just ain't there, my friend. Maybe Emery also is not very good at managing stars like that. He he struggled a bit at PSG, didn't he? Really, he maybe like know the Seville. That's true, and you know the problem that Neymar's. A, well, I mean, what is he? A raging <laughs> well, egomania, he is. isn't he? I mean, really, the, the the modern manager's job is almost impossible. And I think uh, we were talking yesterday about. So with some friends about Alex Ferguson's book, which I haven't read, but how Ferguson is, was so clever at managing his organisation, not just the first team squad, but managing his coaches as well, so that his contact with the players was greatly reduced. Yeah. 
and he delegated coaching sessions to outstanding coaches that he brought to the club and he gave them the responsibility to run tra- training sessions and, so they felt important. And then the players, when they saw him, they knew it, it mattered. And they didn't get tired of his voice. And on match day, he was there and they respected it. He somehow managed to manage the way football changed in this super wealthy millionaires with all the Lamborghinis in the car park. From his days at Aberdeen, very different, right? He also did, um, which he talks about in the book, because he changed, he changed those coaches regularly. So they were outstanding coaches and the turnover was fairly decent, whether it was McLaren or, I mean, from Archie Knox to uh, Kirosh to McLaren to obviously Brian Kidd and so on. So Brent A. Mullenstein was Mullenstein, another one, yeah, but he yeah. delegated, didn't he? That's the point. That was yeah. where Arsene Wenger fell down in the last few years. Didn't delegate, tried to do everything himself. You can't do that now in modern football, can you? No, I totally agree with you, Al, about the point about um, the modern, you know, the lot of the modern manager, because we're not going to see who's who in Europe has that longevity. I mean, Klopp's writing his own story, so he can do what he wants for a bit. But yeah, I can't think of any. What, who's been there more than five years? No, no there's hardly any. Well, Guardiola says four years at Barca as much as anyone can do. The pressure is unbelievable. It's also the way he operates as well, though, isn't it? It's all a bit intense. You know, you can imagine him not sleeping very well quite a lot of the time. You know, so, uh, I, no, I can't imagine it will ever go like it used to with, with Arsene Wenger and Alex, and Alex Ferguson. But going back to what you said about Emery, listen, I, I, I genuinely... Uh, he Don't seems bury like him nice again, Don't Sorry. bury him again. You no. just, yeah, you're just going to bury him again, aren't you? I want him dead. I want his I can family see, dead. I can see... <laughs> I could see you're quite close up on your camera, but I can see the shovel in your hand. <laughs> you preface every remark with, he seems like a decent guy. But if he ever shows his face, I say, Emery, no! <laughs> oh. I watched the Harry Enfield repeat the other night. It was very funny. Uh, I've, had an e- I've had some emails, gentlemen. I've had some emails. Uh, there's one from Tom Rowlett. Hello, chaps. Great to have you back. Thank you, Tom. I've got a chant for Kieran Tierney. Uh, he's got it. He says he's actually got it going a bit at Europa League away games this season, um, but it never really kicked on from there. Maybe that's because it is shit. Uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's to the proclaimers five hundred miles, and it is. just goes Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, da 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 like that for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, it's not Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, <laughs> Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney. Pretty good. We all like singing that song, though, don't we? Let's be fair. Has it got yeah. much to do with Kieran Tierney being Scottish? Then, apart from the fact that it doesn't scan really. Do you know what? It never even con- it never even occurred to me until you mentioned. Well, you it. don't like jazz, so of course it didn't occur. To you. <laughs> of course it didn't occur. To Let you. it go. You're to not, You're not going to suddenly go down into Scottish jazz, are we? <laughs> Imagine. Uh, the the proclaimers, of course, are Hibs fans, and uh, I don't. Have you ever seen the YouTube clip? And if you haven't, Google it. Uh, of when Hibs got to the cup final, the Scottish cup final at Hampton Park, and the whole of the Hibs N sings Sunshine on Leith. And it is a, it will, I promise you, you'd be a cold hearted man if you don't have a tear in your eye. My heart is broken. 
<laughs> my heart is broken. It's almost like we're there to you. Sorrow, <laughs> sorrow, sorrow, sorrow. My heart is broken. My heart is broken. Like that. All of them sing it. What is the most All... emotive Arsenal chant in your times of going? What's we ain't Tottenham, we ain't Tottenham. We ain't Tottenham, we ain't Tottenham. We ain't Tottenham, we ain't Tottenham. We are the Tottenham haters. I'm not. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. That always leave it there. Yeah, but that's a. What you know what I mean, though? Like the word emotive. Like Patrick Vieira. Yeah, Vieira. It's got to be that. My favourite one. My favourite one is. I used to like Ian Wright, my lord, Ian Wright, Ian Wright, my lord, Ian Wright. Well, I like the one where it goes, I saw me, mate, the other night. He said to me, seeing the new Ian Wright, I said to him, how can that be? He said to me, his name's Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry. Thierry, that, I love singing that. Is that emotive, though? Is that really emotive? I just loved Vieira used to generally get me emotional when a whole crowd would sing it. It was lovely. I'm going to read you this email from David Gray. Uh, Dave in Essex. Hello, Dave. David. Just wanted to share a memory of the North London derby just before the Cup semi-final. I was sitting in the North Bank and all through the second half, a bloke behind us kept shouting, Neil! at Sullivan, who was in goal for the scum. <laughs> this consisted of gems such as, Neil! Your mum's on the phone! <laughs> she wants to know what you want in your sandwiches. And every time Thierry, Thierry Henry comes towards goal, it's coming, Neil! <laughs> this is the good stuff. After, after Thierry scored the second goal, and amongst the celebrations, a lone voice yelled, I warned you, Neil! <laughs> I told you! <laughs> and it really helped to lift the atmosphere, which was quite flat, given the news that David Rocastle just just passed away. So there you are. It was a fitting that Bobby Bobby scored a magnificent goal that day and it was the game that began to cement his importance in the team. This is talking about, so I believe, uh, 2001, which we'll move on to. So thank you for that email. We got, I've got quite a few. I'm going to go through some more. Why not? Uh, hi, Alan and others. This is someone called Cla, 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 Clay, C-L-A-I-G-H. Oh, no, it's Cluf, one of those. Clag. <laughs> <laughs> Clue? No idea. I think it's Cleve. No idea. Cleve. Cleve. Cleve yes. Young. I'm sorry. I'm Cleve. sorry, Cleve, but excuse my ignorance about uh, Irish. Hi, Alan and others. So please, you've resurrected the podcast. I've listened to every episode since the up for grabs days. That is 10 years of absolute wow. freeloading. God, we used to get drunk uh, after those, didn't we? <laughs> uh, in the 2009 o- <laughs> yeah, o- o- te- uh, season, do you, Anna, do you remember this? I don't remember doing this. We used to have a regular set of questions, one of which asked, who is Tinkerbell? And invariably back then, it was Emmanuel Ibue. <laughs> which of the current squad do you think would be Tinkerbell? Don't you remember? I remember That's this. True. Yeah, you got very excited. Yeah, we'll have to dig it out. Um, yeah, Who is yeah? Who is the Tinkerbell in this squad? Kalasinac. <laughs> 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 have I meant that wrong? <laughs> uh, this one from Ross Goddard who says, "Delighted the podcast is back. Just wondering, did Keith put his used thong up on eBay after he wore it?" He could raise a few pounds for a new vest of destiny. I think that is optimistic at best. Ross? 
Sam Godfrey. Sam Godfrey's emailing, hi, hi all from Nairobi, and especially to my old schoolmate, Tyre. Hello, mate. Oh. Good lad. Sam Godfrey. Yeah, he's good lad. He's, Sam, he's been Sam the, he's been... have you got any pictures of Tyre in his school <laughs> uniform? Sam knows the rules. <laughs> Sam, Sam knows the rules. Sam. You've all met... So bear in mind. Yeah, Sam, you know the rules. Come on, mate. You've sat with us a few times and you've enjoyed everyone's company. I'd love you to be able to come back. Bring Absolutely photos. shitting himself now, Tyre. He's shitting himself. He's got the biggest pop screen I've ever seen. I can only see his eyes, but that's all I need to see. The fear. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Sam, uh, Sam has got uh, two sons, uh, nine and seven, called Tobias and Benjamin, and they watch a television show called Super Strikers. And there is a player called El Matador, who is big and strong and dominating in midfield. Who should we sign to be our El Matador? Big, strong, dominant midfielder is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Wasn't it Condogbia? Wasn't either one? Condogbia, Always. yeah. I couldn't remember his name. I nearly said Kasabian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, Kadobia was the he one. He was the one I wanted, yeah. I went on about him for about five years, but that fell on deaf ears. Uh, Par- well, it's Thomas Party at the moment. Is it, can he play? Is he just a hacker? Is he like a Czech Teote, or can he play? <laughs> yeah, once a, once a season wonder goal. No, look, I, I mean, I, I, I don't even know. You're talking about, like, transfer stuff. I, I just wouldn't even know. These names are getting thrown up anymore, you know. And you can't go and check on anyone because you haven't seen anyone play for... Eight weeks. Here's a name for you. Declan Rice. Oh, it's not, it's not very sexy. Would man. you? It's not, but what a good player he is. And a really excellent. Well, he played again. Oh, we went to the game uh, season before last. West Ham beat us and he scored he the winner. He scored the goal. And it, it, took, it was a good goal, but that wasn't the one. He was outstanding. He, really outstanding in front of the back four. Yeah. Got the height to win headers. Stop composure. Um, Stop Lacazette scoring a, a certain goal. He just sort of tracked back and tackled him. I remember that. And I thought, yeah, he's good. And Chelsea had him and they let him go, right? They, he, was at, he was at Chelsea with Mason Mount and all these young boys that they've got over there. They've got some excellent young English players. And he was among them, Declan. He was in that. You know, and they let him go. They let him go at West Ham, and now rumour has it uh, Chelsea are sniffing around, thinking oh, that was a mistake. He is an excellent young English player. That's what we say. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind, we'll take him. <laughs> you don't really see that kind of flow of traffic towards Arsenal, and it's it's, yeah, it's the other way around. The amount of I was listening to um, uh, another very excellent podcast called uh, Quickly Kevin, and they were talking about the amount of Arsenal players who've gone the other way towards West Ham. We've given them a lot of garbage over the years, over the last 15 years. Lucas uh, Perez. <laughs> you, you've gone for that. But we give, um, we've given yeah. them either over the hill. You gave me and Wright and Nigel Winterburn as well. Over the hill or... And Davos Yeah, and of Cat course, Wilson, and of yeah. course Cabadiawara indirectly as well, which we talked about before a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> But surely, in the in the spirit of uh, of Major League Baseball, we could engineer some massive trade where we we dig out about six players that West could do a job for West Ham, and we could just give them all to West Ham and get Declan Rice. Got a lot of that's a good shout. Yeah. Good. We got a lot of very West Hammy players. I can see Kalasinac bombing down the left of the Olympic Stadium a few times. Um, They've got some good players, though. They've got a couple of... Uh, who's that guy who plays in midfield for them? They've got one or two excellent players. Kiarte? Kiarte? Is he in midfield? Yeah, they've got some massive centre-halves too, haven't they? Diop was one. 
We've had two terrible yeah. games against him this season, so that's what's lasted in my mind. It was a terrible, well, it was a terrible first half um, away. We then the Freddie game, the Freddie, yeah, the Freddie we played, we played well for about seven minutes and scored all our goals, and the rest of the game yeah. was just dreadful. Oh, and we had, yes. and then wasn't weren't they the last game? Didn't we talk about this the other? Weren't they the last game before the before it all stopped? When we won somehow, when we should have lost by we beat three. them one nil. That was their last game. Oh, Bonner, Diop, they've got. Masuaku goes down the left, he's good. Well, uh, this one's probably a bit too long to get into. If you had to pick the best game, home or away, that you have attended, what would it be? Well, maybe it isn't too long to go into, because I can say the Littlewoods Cup semi-final replay at White Hart Lane, 1987. Next question. <laughs> yeah, that one <laughs> that was a good game. That. Um, home or away? Well, the first, I'll just say the first one to come into mind, because I'll be here too long. Away because obviously don't go that much, but Bolton away when we all went up. Um, two and, nil down, ten men, and one three two. Yeah, and Sesk. Did Sesk like scuff the winner? Was it Sesk? He scored a goal that day anyway, but it was a. Yeah, that was that's the first away one I thought of, and I don't know why because I don't think it wasn't. But one of my favourite home games was always we were two nil down and we won three two against Villa, and we, that was great. Henri got a hat trick. Um, no, Will Tord scored and Parler scored. Oh, that one. Right. It was one where we were 2 0 down at half time. And it was just, I don't know why, I just had so much fun that day. So those are my two. What about when we were 2 0 down at home against Tottenham and we beat them 5 2? Yeah. But that was, yeah, nice. that's, that's, uh, that's Emirates, really. I was thinking of, uh, I think the reason why that was my favourite game, we just caught up in having a really good day at Highbury that day, I think. One game that I remember that really sticks out because I was young. I'm sure you'd have been there, Ian. It was when we played Juventus at Highbury in 1980. Oh, man. Nil, nil. And it? It, was, it, was, it was 1-1. 1-1, yeah. And uh, they turned up in an all-blue strip and they didn't look like footballers looked well, like in England. They, looked they all had tan skin for a I start. I do remember that. The cut of their shirts and their kit was a little different. The tracksuits were different. They were filthy. I mean, filthy. <laughs> Absolutely vicious, psychotically dirty. Yeah. Really, they make Gamora look like Terry and June, that Juventus <laughs> 11. Roberto Bettiger, Roberto Bettiger went in on David O'Leary, kicked him with the toe of his boot in the shin on purpose and broke his shin pad, yeah. went through his shin pad and into his shin bone. Tardelli went after Brady and hacked him to bits for the whole game, trying to get him to retaliate because Brady did have a bit of a reputation for decking someone and getting sent off. And uh, I was said Claudio Gentile. Uh, they were fit, but there's something about, there was something exotic about it. So we take it so for granted now. But in those days, an Italian team meant It was Italian all Italians. It was all up. Italians, wasn't it? I think all 11 of them. Yeah, it was Italy. Basically, it was Italy against Ireland, wasn't it, really? I remember tight curly perms and tight shorts is what I remember. And they were very, very good. And they defended very, very well. But if you're asking me, but they, Bar- Barcelona, on. I just can't. I found that just, I was, I was in a, I just remember going to the pub afterwards and everyone looked like they just witnessed something, any, something better than we'd ever seen. We all looked like five-year-olds when we came out of that stadium. Yeah. Okay, here's a question for you. Which do you think is Lionel Messi's best goal against Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> 
if you're asking, I have a favourite. The one, the yeah. one where it was uh, Suarez and Neymar, and they set Messi up, and he left Petr Cech on the ground with a little touch under his foot. He dummied him as the ball came in, yes. and then he put it in the goal. And I just thought, yes. what a genius! I mean, I've thought that a billion it times. It looked as though it looked like it hit in real time to the naked eye. It looked like he'd hit it first yeah. time, but actually, he stopped the ball. Check had gone, and then it he passed it the goal in a good. blink of an eye. And similarly, a goal at the new Camp, the game that I went to at the new Camp, when he looked like he'd volleyed the ball in the net yeah. past Almunia, oh, but what he'd actually done was volleyed it over yeah. Almunia, run round yeah. him, and then volleyed it in the net. This was a crucial moment in a massive quarterfinal in the game that Arsenal. I saw that in. goal recently, actually, because it was in that take the ball past the ball film. It was. And it was. I hadn't. Obviously, I just hadn't thought about it since. And it's like, a miracle goal, and it showed it on a screen at half time, and the crowd went, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> and the other one I remember was when he got clean through in the game where they really spanked us about four. He got clean through on uh, Almunia, and he's looking at Almunia. He's just looking right at him, and as he's looking at him, he somehow gets the ball to go straight up in the air and land behind him. <laughs> Without Amun, taking his eyes off it. Amuni yeah. gives him the eyes and goes, do it up here as well. Amuni gives him a hand as well. We played... We, he sat him down completely. We played in white. Giroud played. And we played in Tottenham kit. Wasn't it Giroud and Sylvester at the back? Giroud? Oh, Giroud. Oh, People say, when should Arsene Wenger have left? And it was the day before he signed Mikel Sylvester. <laughs> yeah. <if> you ask <laughs> <me>. <laughs> that sounds like a good shout. Could have been the day he sold Ashley Cole as well, by the way. Well, the day you gave yeah. William Gallas the number that's, 10. They should have given Ashley Cole the money. That's... I'd have club. Yeah. Listen, and, I'd have been happy. And the captain's arm. I'd have been happy to club together and get the money for him. What, for extra 30 grand a week? It's quite a big, it's quite a big clubbing you, together. Yeah, yes, I agree. But I just watched that 2002, that, um, that uh, when we went to May United and won, and Ashley Cole, I thought, what a team. What a team. Eight, eight or nine players in that team that walk into any team in the Premier League right now. Keown and the previous, Campbell. The previous season, we lost 6-1. We'll talk about the previous season a bit later, but we lost 6-1. And the back four was uh, Lushny, Grimondi, Stepanovs and Cole. Cole was very new. I went to that game. But we scored like we, we scored one of our greatest... Like I mean, Thierry's goal was a belter to make it... It was an equal one. 1-1. Anyway, we'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe Doherty says, really enjoyed the Hi, podcast Joe. being back. This is your most recent one. Featuring my team, Manchester City, getting relegated. Only, only, only we could think we were safe and keep the ball in the corner to run down time <laughs> and then get relegated. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> however, however low it gets for Arsenal, it's never got that low. Yeah, it? it's never got that low. <laughs> um, someone says uh, it's got a song for Olivier Giroud to the tune of "I'm a Gnu" by Flanders and Swan. I am Giroud. How do you do? I'm a typical Gaelic striker through and through. Je suis Giroud. Compliment on fou. Hey! What is this shit? A little jazz funk, no? Hello, hello. Bulging mailbags there, haven't you? Right? It's got a bulging mailbag. It's good there. Yeah, I have. Jay Lutzner has been trying to get Obama Yang to the tune of All By Myself going for two oh, years. <laughs> yes! I don't want to be. I want to be. Obama Yang! Anymore. Outstanding. 
I'll tell you what, work. when we go back, we've got to give that a go. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I'd mentioned earlier Simon Cooper's book, and I don't think I actually made the point I intended to make, which was in that book, he talks about the Berlin Wall. He goes to Berlin and he talks about how the Berlin Wall affected football. One of the things that affected was that the majority of Hertha Berlin's fans could no longer get to the stadium. They were on the wrong side of the wall. So they would go to the wall on match day and sing songs and chant and could be heard in the stadium. And the fans in the stadium would sing songs and chant and tell them what was going on. Yeah. And that went on for many, many years for all of all That's of pretty their cool, homes. isn't it? So I mean, you think you had trouble, trouble problems getting to Cologne. <laughs> They... If it was Arsenal, they'd be outside going, what's going on? There'd be nothing. Nothing. Silence. Is there a game at just did. Spend some money! I had something similar to that, um, less dramatic, in 93, when um, I tried to get a... Was it 93? I tried to get a ticket for Arsenal Coventry um, from a tower outside the ground. Couldn't, couldn't, this is similar couldn't, to the Berlin Wall. Couldn't, was it? couldn't, couldn't afford it, so listen to us lose to a Mickey Quinn hat-trick from outside the ground. Um, oh. Yeah, no one was... Remember that? Oh, yeah. Was it 93? Do. I don't think I was there. First day Possibly. of the season, anyway. Yeah. Uh, fest, uh, festival somewhere, yeah. I, was, I think I was overseas. Uh, the Tuesday Club. Dear Tuesday Club, thanks for getting the band back together. An absolute delight. Thank you, Richard Allen. Um, what is the anti-Fiesta 11? The 11 furthest from ever being allowed a spot in the Fiesta. Yeah, from the current squad or from... Not from the current squad. What are you all, all about? From throughout... Throughout the perhaps Nelson all of Vengeti, Nelson Vivas is captain. <laughs> Cabadia. I said to team before this, please no, can we not, not do Vivas again? Not. And then, look straight away. Look at him. You can't say you can't talk about Arsenal for an hour without mentioning it. Um, okay, so who have we got in goal for this? Um, <laughs> what? Who can never? Sorry, oh. these are good players we're talking about, right? No, worst. Well, okay. the worst, the worst yeah. eleven. The worst. You wish you'd never played for Arsenal. You wish you'd never seen them. <laughs> it, it is the Milk, the Mikel Silvestre, Sebastian Squilacci, Igor yeah, Stefanov, t- Manuel Almunia, Nelson Vivas. Yeah. Well, those, those will do. All of those. <laughs> That's a good start, I think. Julio Baptista. <laughs> Julio, oh, really? The one who got four Andre Anfield. Santos. <laughs> yeah, Nick Shamak. Very good shout. I'll have Shamak in there as well. Back. I thought he was awful. Uh, yeah, Shamak. How do you feel about Javinho? <laughs> um, <laughs> how do I feel about Javinho? Uh, there was something in the air. He was all right. He was all right. Was he wasn't one. the worst. He was good when he left. I'm putting Cedric Suarez in because I couldn't recognise him if I bumped into him in Morrison's. <laughs> He's never actually played for us. I, uh, <laughs> who else? Um, I suppose you haven't thrown up Cabadiawara. Most of our midfielders have been quite good. Have we had any really toilet midfielders you just couldn't stand to be selected? No, not really. Even the ones who stepped in, the reserves did all right a bit, didn't they? Like Kyle Eastmond and people. They, were, they weren't terrible. They just didn't quite make it. They weren't like the defenders. They weren't like Squilarchi and Seagan and Sylvester and all that did, lot. Stepanov. Did Theo? Did Theo ever get in the Fiesta? Theo. <laughs> he, he scored over. He had a good year playing with Robin van Persie. He, he, he scored over a hundred goals he, for us, didn't he, Theo? Yeah, yeah. It took him about forty years. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to come. Someone's going, to, someone's going to write in and tell us, but I can't think of a Sylvester 
style kind of midfielder, Sylvester level of midfielder? No, I don't think there was. I don't think there was. I think he was just... Arsene Wenger knew his midfielders, didn't he? He knew what he wanted. It'd be a bit harsh to call Alberto Mendes out because um, he, <laughs> he never did anything wrong. Yeah, Denis Suarez. Denis Suarez? <laughs> what a signing. There's one. <laughs> Denis Suarez. And who was the one who had a broken back? What a signing that was. Kim Kalstrom. Yeah, but, no, but he did good. He did. He scored a penalty in the cup semi-final, so th- that was his sole contribution and it was a good one. I wish he'd come on against Galatasaray in Copenhagen. Um, now, Jack Harness has emailed me about Paul Mercer's testimonial. Do you remember the half-time game? Did you go to this game, Ian? It no, in... I don't believe I did, actually. Why? Yeah, I, this is in 1996, at the end of the season. We talked about it last week when Merson, Glenn Hoddle played for Arsenal and Gascoigne played for the rest of the world, and it was quite an event. Anyway, uh, your mention of Paul Mercer's testimonial was quite poignant to myself. <laughs> I love to myself. As it's something I've been speaking about only recently after my dad, Bob Harness, passed away last month. So sorry, sorry, that. sorry about that. Uh, Jack, but... Um, the reason he mentions his dad to us is his dad played in a half-time match at half-time on that day. And the game was organised The game was organised by uh, Xerox for staff to play against customers. The, the 71 team went on the pitch and took a, to, to a round of applause to the crowd. They went off and then these lads came on the pitch and played a match. My dad managed to have a bit of a starring role in it, mainly due to his rather large stature. Playing in the middle of the park, and making some exquisite passes, sandwiched between the chance of who ate all the pies and are you Gazza in disguise? <laughs> there was a small amount of commentary on Five Live with Jonathan Pierce and Alan Mullery. Uh, Alan Mullery said he'd had a call from Lords asking if he could be used next week as a roller. Harsh, but funny. But, but big Bob Harness. Uh, this led to him being handed the Man of the Match Award, which was presented to him by Merson himself after the game. I was just wondering if you remember this at all. And I have to say, I don't. I really don't. Were you yeah. at that game, Ian? Did you go to that? Do you know, I, have, I actually have a vague recollection I did go to that game because I was sat in the Upper West Stand because I'd been playing football earlier that day and my knees were really hurting me and it was a real struggle going down the stairs at half-time. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. And now I remember, because Paul Gascoigne was playing in that yeah, game. remarkable. And I sort of vaguely remember watching him from that that vantage. But you, know, you have no memory of uh, Big Bob Harness getting man of the match in the half-time game. Well, I must say, thank you, Jack, for... He sent me a little photo as well. That, uh, do email us. You can email us on tuesdayclubpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're always uh, pleased to hear from the freeloading scum. We lost our Twitter handle. I, I went off Twitter uh, that September last year, and I sort of suspended the Twitter, my Twitter account, and the and the at Yellow Boots on. And while I was away from Twitter, someone took at Yellow Boots on, which has really hacked me right off. And they've done Why? kind of a gag where they put a picture of Robert Mugabe up, and they put it's like a it's a media lockdown. R.I.P. Yellow <laughs> Boots on. But I have, I have to put a tweet up saying, can we have it back, please? Because we had about 20,000 followers I'd like to reconnect with. But in the meantime, uh, my, my uh, Twitter feed is up and running, at Alan Davis one And uh, if you want to tweet us, you can do to that 
Twitter address if you can't be asked to fire an email off. I totally appreciate that. That is a pain in the neck. Yeah. For some people. Now, someone has got a things we can do. Here come the Arteta to the tune of Hot Stepper. Uh, this is Sid Brown. That was ages ago we tried Here that Here come one. the Arteta. But what he's got, because obviously it's murderer, right? But he's, yeah. he's got Guna. But obviously it should be Here come the Arteta, mm-hmm. manager. That's what it should be, right? He's Absolutely. making us better, manager, because he's a new <laughs> manager. That, See, well, that, that works, like here comes the Arteta. Yeah, I'm into manager. that. Yeah, it's good. Uh, he's making us better, manager, because he's the new pepper manager. <laughs> uh, so that's from Sid Brown. Thank you, Sid. Two decent ones today. Two decent ones. Cheers, so Sid. Fun in the, uh, in the old uh, Oh, Bama Yang is, is going to stay with me forever. I absolutely love that. <laughs> I'm going to be singing that later on. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. I also think you could have, oh, Bama Yang, da, da, da. but that's never going to catch up. <laughs> Do you know what? That's not bad either. I don't like it when they play that at the end of matches. That's a no, that's a be like genre, Sweet Caroline. No. I don't like music in a stadium full stop. Do you, is it just me? Do I sound know? like, I know I do, a stupid old man, but the, the racket at half time. <laughs> You can't have these half-times are having a chat. Yeah. And is it still not, even now, the idea, and I've been going to football all of my life, and I've never even bothered to think about getting a pint at half-time because of the queuing. Can they never sort it out? So they've poured 5,000 pints and you just go pick one up. Like with an Oyster card, you just bleep and pick one up. It's Oh, I thought you meant like at the theatre. Yeah. <laughs> you have your order. It's all drinks here. You've absolutely nailed it. <laughs> your drink will be over there with a slit of paper with your name in it. And at the Arsenal, <laughs> no one would just go and pick your drink up and drink it. Well, someone would go along and drink every single one, like for a bet. <laughs> <laughs> Nip out five minutes before. I was going to say, loads of people leaving before half-time on this occasion. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. Can we not have some sort of honesty bar scenario or interval drinks? <laughs> Set up because the queuing at half time people are going at, at half past three if, if we ever kick off at three o'clock to go and get in that wretched queue for a poxy pissy pint. It's well, we need Simon it's to come rubbish. back with his uh, slow gin that he used to bring in. Do you remember? Remember, he used to bring his homemade gin. Yeah, he used to bring a flask. Oh, Sean. He used to bring a little. Sean used to. Have. Sean would bring a hip flask <laughs> full of some sort of incredible. It was that brandy was so flammable it nearly, Thanks, it nearly ignited in contact with the fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hip flask. I don't know, that I was a those, highly volatile fluid he had in that hip flask. It's lucky it didn't melt yeah. through. What Simon had in his, I just don't know. It was disgusting. And he kept telling you, this is lovely. Try this. I made this at home. And I sip it and I nearly spat it out over the. Luckily, we didn't have anyone in front of us. We were the front row. It's got the family. It was a family <laughs> section. A, spitting it out family over families. <laughs> Sorry, slow Jim. <laughs> Uh, now we've got a new feature I'll do it now uh, on the podcast ladies and gentlemen to which you may want to contribute if you can email or tweet us it's called Autograph Corner and it really is about a time you've got an autograph T have you got one? I have yeah Um, it's two autographs the same person and the stories are linked the person of course the only person is uh, it C16? Is is <laughs> it's Ian Wright? Ian, Ian Wright. Wright. It's Ian, Ian Wright. Wright. It's Ian Wright. It's before. I'll just provide a bed for you. 
Ian Wright, my lord. Uh, I used to be so off putting. Uh, Ian Wright, my lord. <laughs> we'll get our producer Jay to loop that and you can stop if you want Ian now. Ian Wright, my lord. No, he's not going to stop. Right, I'll take the headphones. Oh, <laughs> lord. Ian Wright. Gotcha. Uh, it was, uh, I was at. I was at university. Um, Ian Wright. <laughs> <laughs> well, putting me off my stroke. You went to I was, university. I went to university with. No, you became so cocky. <laughs> no, that was that was way before oh, that. Was that. that was public school, wasn't it? Yeah, you know that. Yeah. Um, so I went to. I was at. I was at university in South East London, and I played football Goldsmith. with Goldsmiths, indeed. Yep, and I was playing football with Bertie Steen. Um, who was one of the brothers of Mark and Mark and Brian? You know the Luton and later Chelsea. Oh, yeah. So I used you to play played for... with the Steam brother that didn't make it. I played with the Steam brother who didn't make it. Well, Top he, man. I bet he was a... properly good though, was he? He was really good at football. <laughs> he was really good. Always played with a massive smile on his face. Lovely bloke. Still um, bumped into him recently. Anyway, so he in that way that a lot of the footballers knew each other, and I think. Uh, a lot of the black footballers used to hang out and stuff. So he knew righty um, and went to, and every goal I scored or missed or whatever in training or in the matches um, would go and were related around righty celebrations. Cause I was a bit obsessed with him in the nineties. Um, I say in the nineties, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jumping in before you do it. Yeah. Cause I can see you. I was obsessed with him in the nineties. Anyway, so, so um, he went to a dinner he went to a like a player's dinner, came back and he said, I've got right his autograph, I've got right his autograph, I'll bring it in tomorrow. I told Wright all about you. And then he brought in, which basically, I mean, it could have been a Marks and Spencer's receipt. I don't know. It was so rubbed out on the front and an illegible scrawl. And he said this was Wrighty's <laughs> signature. And it said, Hi Tayo, love you, Wrighty. And um, years later, when I actually did get Wrighty's signature, it looked nothing like the first one. And I've never quite checked with Bertie. Whether whether he just had me on or not. The second time there was, you remember, where, you know where we go at the Compton Arms. There used to be a Ford garage on that corner of Highbury, isn't it? On Highbury Corner, That's and right. um, and there was an event with Tony Adams and Ian Wright turning up for a bunch of school kids. <laughs> so I went along. <laughs> <laughs> he was my twenty. At the, at the Ford, at the show, the Ford yeah, yeah, show. yeah. There was a there was an event. If anyone can, t- if anyone can cast more light on that, a hundred percent, it was an event there. And uh, TA came in, got mobbed by a bunch of kids. Righty came in, got mobbed. I decided that I was far too cool to go up and do that. And then Righty kind of slipped out the back door. When I then took my chance, went running after him into the into the um, car park. Right, right. I tried to explain really, really quickly and breathlessly that I knew Bertie Steen and that he'd given me his autograph about two years earlier. Right, he very politely stood there, watched me shoot my load and <laughs> make an idiot of myself. And then he said, all right, calm down, calm down, calm down. I want to tell you something. When I was uh, a kid, I met Laurie Cunningham. And I was a bit like you were like now. So, and Laurie Cunningham just told me, like, it's chill. Like, it's, it's Laurel, Laurie Cunningham, Cyril Regis, when I used to meet him, I used to get really, really, but, you know, they were great. So it's, it's cool. It's cool. We're all people. It's all cool. So, and then he gave me his autograph. And that's just another story about how lovely right he is. And that is my autograph story. Great story, T. Ian, have you got one? I can't. I can't. Well, I've got, we've got a couple of uh, signatures here of players. I've got an Alexis Sanchez shirt. <laughs> in Alexander's bedroom. Alexander went to work. My son went to work for the Arsenal a couple of years ago. He did a week's work experience out of school. And at the end of it, as a gift, they gave him an Alexis Sanchez wow. shirt. 
all signed by him, and then he left. Yeah, but still. <laughs> About a month He, left, he later. left some good memories behind that boy. I loved him, and we've got the shirt. I've also got Jack Wilshire uh, with a signed photo so, to Alexander, saying all, all the best, Jack Wilshire. Looking super, really good. I've never, Jack. I've never got... I've never got one. Oh, look, Tayo is showing so us a ball produced here. produced a ball. We can signed. see a ball, listener. And it says Pires Robert on it. Robert. Pires Robert. I like the way it's written the other way round. Just in case you wonder. Oh, is that Alter the actual Raffi. Robert Pires? Oh, nice. Uh, when, I was at, when I was a kid... Rafi's never touched this ball, by the way. It's no. not my, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my girlfriend's son, and he hasn't touched this ball at all, and I'll use that as an excuse. And, and he never will. When I was a kid, I, lived, I grew up in Loughton in Essex, and Terry Venables lived in Loughton, and every time I or anyone in their family saw him, I think we got his autograph. I got his autograph about three times. But the first time, my dad got it for me, and he signed it to Terry from Terry Venables. So I don't know how that conversation went. To yeah, Terry, he, got him that. he, got, he just right. obviously didn't pay any attention, or he wasn't properly, <laughs> he wasn't asked properly, and he just, just, just thought, well, it sounded like I think he said Alan, but I'm going to put Terry because it's the best name. But uh, do you know? Can I tell you a story? Do you mm. know my dad once met Alan Sugar? Not met Alan Sugar got out of his Rolls Royce in the middle of town, and my dad saw him from the other side of the road, and he's shouting across the road, going, Alan. Alan, right? and Alan Sugar is looking at him and he runs up to him and he's shaking his hand. He goes, oh, Alan, it's a great to meet you. I, I, so lovely to meet you. And Alan Sugar is looking at him while he's shaking his hand. He goes, I love you, Alan Sugar. And Alan Sugar goes, why? He goes, because you sacked Terry Venables. That means Arsenal are going to be better than ever in 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> and Alan Sugar yanked his hand away, got back in his car and left. Uh, my dad just laughing in the street. That's Ken's finest moment. Led. That's absolutely magnificent work. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 right, we'll move on. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll move swiftly on to. Uh, we'll do a little look back. We like to do a look back at a season while there's no football to talk about, and we're looking back at the 2000, 2001 season, um, yeah. which we had. Well, the, the the lasting memory I think of that season for me is the is the FA Cup final. What when you when you cast your mind back to it, Ian? What 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 memories do you did you have? Do you know what I remember? We sat in the opposite end when Michael Owen scored that goal, and I I might get some stick for saying this, but when he scored that winning goal, and he stood, he beat our entire defence, and he scored that goal past Seaman. And he stood in front of the Liverpool fans celebrating. And I, 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 I could barely speak for the rest of the evening. Um, but what I remember thinking was, I love football. I, I hated it at that point. But I love the fact that, we, that, that you can dominate a game in that way and then lose. We'd done it to them in 1989, right? When we nicked it off them in the last minute. And as much as I hated them doing it, I thought, man, I love this game. I love this game for what it can do to you. I hated that moment. And by the way, I had to do a gig later that night. And I, I sort of did it from muscle memory. <laughs> but that's what I remember about that game. It was extraordinary. Michael Owen scoring. Uh, I, I looked at the highlights uh, uh, before we started to record. And I realised I hadn't looked at them since. And that's the, that's the thing about losing final. <laughs> you just don't. I've never looked. Like Keith, a video recording the Luton Town League Cup final in 1988. Going home, rewinding the tape, pressing record, and wiping it, <laughs> and he subsequently never recorded another match ever again. And, uh, and I, I've never looked at the Champions League 
2006 highlights. I've never looked at the Galatasaray no, no. shootout. I've never looked at Naeem's goal. I've looked at all these last minute <sighs> daggers through the heart. But what what really I really remembered from watching the highlights of it was the astonishing atmosphere in the Millennium Stadium. And yeah. what, we were very yeah. lucky actually to in those years that we got so many trips to Cardiff because we were there in 01, 02, 03 and 05. Never mind, I went to a charity shield there as well and I went to a cup semi-final we had down there where we played Blackburn. And every time the atmosphere was fantastic and you, you'd have all the pubs oh, at yes. one end and all the pubs at the other end with the other team. And it, the, it was a stonking atmosphere. And, and that, that final for me was the tale of the two strikers, wasn't it? Because that's... Uh, Thierry just missed his chances. He just missed his chances that day. Uh, there's a, I, I watched today, for the first time since it happened, Stefan Honcho punching the ball off and the ball. line. And, and Henri, yeah. well, I'd forgotten yeah. about it, was Henri had gone really... He'd gone round Sandevestervelde. He'd gone quite right. This is in the 17th minute. to go one and up. He'd gone quite wide. And he tried to get it in between Honcho and the post. And he succeeded... But Oncho, in falling backwards, made a save like a goalkeeper. Kind of instinctively, yeah. just made a really, really very good save. And then Henri's appealing for a handball. It is a handball, but there's a look on Henri's face of guilt because he knows that Sylvain Wiltor is on the six-yard line, directly in front of the goal, unmarked, with no goalkeeper. And what Henri needed to do, rather than shoot that narrow angle, was just square it to Wiltor. And I think the Henri, two years later, the Invincibles Henri, would have done exactly that. Later on in the game, Jungberg, what a great player Jungberg is, by the way. Every time you see a clip of him, he's sort of overshadowed, wasn't he? But a fantastic player. He plays a brilliant pass forward for Henri. He beats two defenders. He's in on goal. As he beats Oncho, Oncho falls over and taps the ball with his hand. It's a second yellow in the box, right? Again, it's missed by the officials. There's no VAR. Diverts the ball slightly, so when Henri finishes, whether or not it affects his finish, I don't know, but Vesterveld saves, the ball loops up in the air, Henri's got a chance then on the volley to stick it in the net, and Miss kicks it in the most surprising way, and it rolled through, it still would have gone in, but Sammy Hoopier by then is on the goal line, and the things like that happened in that game, we thought we should be three or four up here, we should be Should have won that by miles. Jungberg, who missed the UEFA Cup final last season through injury, is back on the ball. Finds Thierry Henry, Liverpool stretch, Henry away from Oncho, who's seen the handling, saved by Vestival, Henry miscues, Sammy Herpia gets it off the line. But there was a feeling that season, wasn't there, that in every one of those, Liverpool won three cups that season, and in every one of them they had moments of incredible good fortune, such yeah. as you have to have, I suppose, if you're going to win a treble, rather like Manchester United in 99. Did you go to that final tea in O? No, I watched it in South London with... Um, I remember very clearly I watched it in South London with... Well, there were two Spurs fans there. I wouldn't say I watched it with Spurs fans, but there was a, there were two <sighs> Spurs fans there. And I just remember, I mean, as you, you talked about it, it just felt like it was going to come. It was going to... Like, there were so many missed chances, but it didn't feel... Like, I just never... I didn't think Liverpool were going to win that. I didn't think even... You that, had a glimpse also... Did you not think you had a glimpse of what was to come the following season um, with the Perez Jungberg goal? Yeah, I mean those two, like you said. I mean, and we just looking at, we'll talk about um, more of two thousand one in a minute. But you, you look at the, they look so quick, even twenty years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like if you say, 
I think you could probably say that the game's kind of sped up, but they look so sharp, so so. That was Pirelli's Pirelli first looks season. Really, really. He makes a running off the left wing, yeah. carrying the ball largely with his right foot. Steven Gerrard comes over, and Perez shakes him off. The kind of flimsy stick Perez that we saw at the beginning of that season. And I was in Lazio when he got his first goal, which is a rather brilliant finish in a one-all draw. And it, by then, he'd sussed it out. And he shrugged yeah. off Gerard. Meanwhile, Jungberg was coming from the other wing. So they're like the red arrows. These are the two wingers converging in the D. And the, and the left winger feeds the right winger who takes it around the goalkeeper and scores. Those two players, although they were overshadowed by Vieira and Campbell and Henri the following season, those two players were Arsenal legends, such as superstars of football. And that was the opening goal. And then Owen just took it. He just, Owen just took the cup. Took he took the cup away from that, Thierry Henry. That, that game also, by the way, uh, contained, I think, the best tackle I've ever seen. It was Gerard and Vieira came together in the middle of the I'll field. never forget Vieira took the ball. I was out of my feet, Vieira out of tackles. Vieira ran across. Yeah. We saw him coming. Gerard yeah. was carrying the ball. Gerard was a, a promising youngster at the time. And Vieira covered 20 yards in four strides and slid in and just took it with his boot and got up and carried it away. And it, and it got the Arsenal fans on their feet. And All of us, 40,000 people at one end, stood up and cheered. That was, was fantastic. Amazing. I'll never But we that. blew that. It was yeah. a season of disappointments. Uh, we blew it, and we also blew the Champions League quarter final, where we where we lost to um, Valencia. Valencia on the way. This one I remember like it was yesterday. I was up in the Upper West that day for some reason, and when Parler's Parler's goal flies in, it's sensational. Vieira is brilliant in the home game. I mean, Vieira is brilliant all season, but Parler Parler's goal sails in. But I think. I couldn't find it when I was looking around earlier on without watching the whole match. But don't we miss one to make it 3-1? We miss a, yeah, there's a we chance, miss a chance to make it 3-1. And I remember yeah. at the time thinking, that's going to matter. I just remember thinking that. and Yes, like, yes. I think I, I've got my I've hands on my head now to... like it was yesterday because I just remember looking at that, the elation of the goal, just, you know, the usual hugging of strangers, don't know anyone up there. But then just looking at this guy at the end and just going, can't shake that feeling. And he goes, no, never mind, we'll be all right, we'll be all right, we'll be all right. And then, yeah, and then spending the, well, 78 minutes waiting for John Carew to end up doing what? Yeah, <laughs> what, he lost what, Tony Adams, didn't he? he ended John Carew beat Tony Adams in the air. John Carew was massive. Yeah. And, he uh, was enormous, though. He, he had a Nigerian mother and a Gambian father but was born in Norway and played for Norway many times and then he went to play in Spain and Turkey and he also finished his career do you remember where he finished his career Villa wasn't it he played four years at Villa but he didn't finish it. he finished his career like so many people do at West Ham United because <laughs> <laughs> he did Brilliant. West Ham but Carew's his sister T you must now. know her, Elizabeth Carew Surely, you were Collage, so you remember her 2008 album Destructive? She's a fant- <laughs> fantastic, You've absolutely done me. Fantastic R&B singer, T. <laughs> Come on, I mean, you, you must have an Elizabeth Carew baseball cap. I'm out. And you wouldn't give me any. You wouldn't give me any clues, so I could go and do <laughs> no, that. You can't have that. No. But here's the thing from John Carew's yeah. Wikipedia page that I think you will enjoy the most. Um, just because of your uh, because of your Nigerian uh, background, uh, Carew was a victim of fraud. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> how, it, how this story begins. Carew was a victim of fraud after he paid £100,000 for a Porsche Cayenne. And it never arrived. Who did he give a hundred grand to? Obviously not a Porsche dealership. <laughs> Someone's come up to Carew and said, I've got to... <laughs> I'm writing. No, no. You're going to do it, too. I represent. Can you do a a bogus Nigerian Porsche dealer? I am writing to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please wire immediately. And he lost £100,000. The other thing I remember, the other thing I remember about the the 2001 season, apart from um, the cup final, obviously, and the Valencia game, the start of the season, do you remember what happened in the first two games? I mean, Vieira got sent off twice. Um, the... Back-to-back red cards for Patrick How many away, was it? Um... <laughs> <laughs> got a five-match ban. And there was even talk of him, of him leaving did the... He... So why did this happen? So why, no, we 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 won one of them. No, yeah, so you know you're right. No, we won oh, one. We, we lost to Sunderland on the first day of the season. Oh and then, my god! And then we beat Liverpool. Why didn't the band kick in straight away? Because Vieira played against Charlton, played brilliantly, scored two amazing goals. So how come the band had? You used to get fourteen. You used to get fourteen days to appeal. That's what happened there. Yeah. And and then they stopped that rule because clubs were deciding whether or not to appeal based on what fixtures you were going to miss. So then they said you just miss the next three fixtures. As the appeals was done almost sort of yeah. overnight, and and he he had a five game ban, but he didn't get the most yellow cards for Arsenal that season. The most yellow cards was Thierry Henry. No, he got nine yellow. No cards. way. How many of them were nine yellow cards? Yeah, How many for uh, pouting? seven of them for, for pouting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, any guesses? And, on... and also Ray Parler got nine. Uh, that's, that's more like Yeah, it. but he's yeah, a combative Jerry, midfielder, Jerry, isn't he? Jerry, that's really, that's really surprising. Any idea who sent off um, Patrick against Liverpool at home? We win 2-0. Who do you... it was, oh, it was on my birthday, so... Do you know who it is? No, is this on, a quiz? Paul Durkin? Yeah, I'm going to ask you. Is it Paul Durkin? It was Graham Polk. Was it Graham Polk? Graham Polk. Sent him on. Graham Polk. <laughs> Graham Polk. Now, I'm conscious that we've been going on a long time, so I, do, I don't want to waste too much time going on about that one. We could be talking about the rather brilliant stillness and speed, uh, Dennis Bergkamp's book. And I, I want to open, if I may, by reading an excerpt from uh, Dennis Bergkamp's Stillness and Speed um, when he's talking about uh, Vic Akers, the yeah. kit man who was very, very good friends with Vic Akers, which I didn't know. And Vic Akers used to drive him around a lot and, and they became good friends. Um, but they had a bit of a running joke. I've got, he's a special guy, a fantastic guy. I love Vic. Um, but the, they said, this book is done in a form of interviews for the journalist and interviews also with people who knew Bergkamp. So they go to Bergkamp, they talk to him, and then they, they say, well, why don't you ask those Italians at Inter Milan what they thought of me? And they do. And they talk to our suppose what they thought about Dennis, what he thought about them, what the Dutch team were like, what they thought of one another. So it's a very unusual, and actually I think it works extremely well um, as, as, as a way of putting together a story. Also, interestingly, with Bergkamp, this was published in 2013, I think, so he'd long retired. It's not one of those books where, you know, David Beckham 
scores a free kick against Greece and the next week there's a biography. <laughs> Wayne Rooney's out. had five, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're quick, quick, while you're on top, strike yeah. while the iron's hot. This was years later, kind of thoughtful reflections classy. on... Classy. And it, it is classy, just like everything yes. about the man. Except you may wonder if this is classy, because they, what they used to do was they used to... <laughs> <laughs> each other's shorts down. Anyway, there's some function going on at the ground and there are some sales girls there and Vic's, Vic's talking to the girls. This is Dennis. I don't, I'm not going to do the accent. Vic's got this big tummy and dodgy knees and he always wears shorts. As we as know. You know. At the training centre, there's a big room next to the canteen and there's an event to sell grooming products. The, there are sales girls <laughs> in there and Vic is leaning on the door <laughs> with his arms crossed and one leg over the other. Very casual, looking very funny. <laughs> We're eating and watching Vic chatting up the girls. And I can't resist. I sneak up to him and whoosh, the shorts are straight down. Brackets laughs. Yeah. <laughs> Vic lurches forward to cover himself. All the guys are still having lunch and they are in tears. It took Vic ages to pull up his shorts. <laughs> the girls are laughing. Why does it take ages to pull up his shorts? <laughs> it's probably all in a kerfuffle. <laughs> The girls are all laughing too. People were laughing about it for weeks. You know, I've won some trophies. I've scored some nice goals. But this may be the highlight of my career. <laughs> what they should do is get footage of that and add the um, Bergkamp, Dennis Bergkamp commentary to that. <laughs> the Dutch person going crazy. This is, one, this is something that possibly now, I know people are in lockdown, recreating goals in their garden. If anyone like, would like to get a couple of sales girls, <laughs> a short fat bloke, and someone go up behind him and pull a short sale, please will you tweet it to me at Alan Davis. Well, this obviously, this uh, obviously sends you down, a, the book sends you down a you know, YouTube wormhole, and obviously we've seen, all the, you know, we've seen all the Arsenal ones loads of times, but I don't know if you went back as well to have a look at all, the, all his, a whole load of his Ajax and Inter goals. Yeah. Beautiful. And again, it just surprised me how quick he was. How well, not how skillful. That's obvious, but how skillful at that speed. I don't. I just never. I, I never really thought of him that in in that way. No, he mentions that in the mm. book. He says I didn't. People didn't think I was fast because I wasn't as fast as Nicholas <laughs> and Hilker or Thierry Henry. But I was. I was always. I was always yeah, fast. Yeah. I love there's a really good interview in the book too. I, I don't know if you agree with, with with Tony Adams, who speaks so kind of candidly as always, as he's as kind of painfully honest, and and he's a little bit defensive about the Arsenal before Arsene Wenger, understandably, given that they'd won two titles and loads of cups, and he was the captain for yeah. many years before Arsene turned up. He'd captain for eight years or seven years. Anyway, uh, people say massage only came to us when David Platt came back from Italy. But David O'Leary was doing self-massage almost 20 yeah, years I, earlier. I, I, and I, I had to... <laughs> yeah, that, that sentence did stand <laughs> out quite a bit. To me. <laughs> I had to put the book down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was he now? OK, then. Doing self-massage. Self yeah. <laughs> and then he goes... <laughs> That's one of the reasons his career lasted as long as it did. did last a long time. It did last a long time, to be fair. There must be something about that self-massive. Can I just uh, I divert for a moment? I like to do the captain's log, as you know, and I'm going to read you the, the uh, Tony Adams as the Arsenal captain in the 2001 season. And towards the end of that season, we played Leeds uh, at uh, Highbury. We were beaten 2-1. But uh, what's interesting about that is that Leeds, the game came in between... 
two semi-finals of the European Cup where Leeds played Valencia. And had we knocked Valencia out, we'd have gone on and faced Same Leeds. times in a week. And Leeds, uh, then Valencia went on to the final, and the final uh, they lost on penalties um, to Bayern Munich. But uh, he goes, um, Leeds are managed by a man who served Arsenal with such distinction for so many years, David O'Leary. But there will be no sentiment today. That's all he says about O'Leary. And I was reminded, T, of your most hated game, um, the the 99 defeat at Leeds, when O'Leary on the pitch celebrating like they had won the league. There's the ex-Arsenal man who's 720 appearances, the beaming smile, backslapping all his players, and that that hurt my feelings. That really did. So I'm delighted to learn that self-massage is what prolonged his <laughs> I mean, just on that diversion, because, like, David O'Leary means more to you than he would to me, given that you saw you saw more of him, you know him much more as an Arsenal man. Absolutely. So... I can't. Who does he blow a kiss at? There's an Arsenal player that he blows a kiss at, like um, in that game. Just being... Do you know what? I'm not going to say Nelson Vivas because it wasn't drive you mad. It wasn't it really? though. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm walking away from that. But but yeah, his conduct and 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 I don't think he's. Um, I don't think he's ever really repaired that relationship with your generation with you. of Arsenal fans. Well, no, not with me. But I just, you know, I. I, I genuinely mean that. No, he's, he's, we did like him, of course, and we you know, love all the players when they win medals and stuff. And, but uh, he was he was known for looking after himself, yeah. shall we say? Just one other thing: um, he talks in the book uh, Burkham about his attitude to injury. Um, there was talk that possibly he could have played in the '98 Cup final, but he pulled out through injury. And the talk was that perhaps an, an English players would would be different. And he says. He found it completely different in England that players would hide injuries and pretend they weren't injured. And then he talks about Bob Wilson in 1972. Uh, Bob absolutely slaughtered his knee in the cup semi final and is on the floor in agony. And the other players are swearing at him, Ephraim, get up, there's nothing wrong with you, you tart. Bob's knee is wrecked and it shortened his career. And Bob Wilson confirms it was at Villa Park against Stoke. I'd snapped the cartilage and tendon. <laughs> I tried to play on, but I was absolutely disabled. Bertie Mee said, you played two injuries before. Come on, Willow. And Peter's story stood over me, effing and blinding and shouting at me that I was a coward. <laughs> and he says, to this day, he walks with a limp because of that, because of that in." Because of that injury, uh, uh, that that stuck out for me. There's another one I quite like, which is uh, they turn up for training, and uh, they used to take the Mickey out of Martin Keown. Yeah, because he's so intense. Although Henri says Burkamp is incredibly intense in training. Like an animal, an animal no joke, is what he called him. Nothing. Actually, he called him an animal in training. Remarkable. Yeah. There's no larking about. There's no. Well, there's fun that. Um, ever. They mentioned in the. It's- in the forward, you know, they mentioned he, Van Persie. And yeah, Persie's watching in, him practice and not making yeah. a mistake. Yeah. That's right. But uh, he gets together with Ian Wright. And it, I turn up for training. This is Keown. And Dennis and Ian Wright have got together. Wright, he came to give me a big hug because he hadn't seen me for a while. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, that jumper looks familiar. And then I look at his feet. I'm thinking, those <laughs> shoes look familiar. <laughs> and I realise he's wearing yeah. all my clothes. <laughs> and, and they used to take the mickey out of Keown's clothes. And if Burkamp found something he thought was 
particularly ugly, he would hang it up somewhere really high where you couldn't <laughs> reach it. <laughs> Keon says, don't let Mark Overmars in your room. If you've got any chocolate, he'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> the things that bother Martin Keown the most. I've, I've got one, actually, which... Um, which it's a shame Keith's uh, not here because if you read this in Keith's voice, this is um, this give is give it a, a go, Taylor. Go on, Burkamp. This is the Burkamp. This is Burkamp about the '94 World Cup and the defeat um, against Brazil. A referee from Costa Rica. And <laughs> 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 from Iran and Bahrain. <laughs> Why are they allowed to officiate a match at such a? Why are they allowed to officiate such so a crucial true. match? And he also talks, doesn't he, in the book about the disappointments at 98 and 2000. Of course, we were obsessed in England with our own national team, and rightly so. We, we had penalty defeats on penalties in tournaments. But five they, in a row, wasn't it? Well, arguably, the, yeah, he played five major tournaments and lost four yeah. on penalties, including in 98, after they beat Argentina with his absolute wonder goal in the last minute. They then lost to Brazil on penalties, and, he, and that really hurt him. They just He was the best form of his life. He just won the double... And he said they were the better team and should have beaten Brazil. And he said also that he knows for a fact, and it's confirmed in the book by French players, that France didn't want to play Holland. They were scared of Holland. And then again in 2000, they contrived somehow to lose on penalties to Italy in a game they should have won. And they left their best penalty takers on the bench at the end of extra time and really balls it up. And uh, and he, he had those two disappointments. And in, in between that was missing the penalty against Schmeichel in the Cup semi-final. And very probably Arsenal would have won the That's double that say. season if he put that away. So those, those three seasons, when you're at the peak of the game and it's fractions of an inch sometimes between winning the game and losing the game. And that 98 Cup final, we'll come on to that in a minute, on this day, Martin Keown treads on the ball and Shearer gets in and he hits the ball across Seaman just like Owen did three years later, and he hits the inside of the post at Wembley and yeah. came out. Fine margins. And they also hit, Dabizaz hit the bar, but Shearer was in on goal and missed. I mean, he never missed. But hit the inside of the post, it should have gone in off the post and the whole game could have been different because they had a good side. Now, I must mention, by the way, just briefly there, Gary Speed was playing on that side and it always saddens me to see him, but he was an excellent player. But yeah, they had, they had, a, they had a great side. But isn't it, isn't that so Arsenal though? Um, which is probably why the two came together so well. And it's hard to, it's hard to think of one without the like. We should have we should have won more during that period. Dennis Bergkamp. There's also that bit in the book where um, there's a bunch of you know sort of Dutch cognoscenti, footballing cognoscenti, uh, talking about who the best player is, or the most technical player in Dutch football, and they just all agreed it was Bergkamp, and that was that. Do you remember that bit? Yeah. yeah. Um, which yeah. is just, which is just, yeah. I mean, the way it's written. Because that's, goose- that's what Henri says as yeah. well. Henri calls him the master. Just goosebumps kind of thing. But mm. it just feels like he missed out. The greatest player that we, you know, obviously we love him because we love him um, as Arsenal fans. But a greatest, this greatest player missed out on so many great moments of great titles and great uh, um could indicators for, of, of his talent like when the game's over right or baubles or whatever and that's the same for a club it's the same as there's that kind of brittleness stroke misfortune which follows which which is the which is the main part of our best period at the but club does it but i do think t also i do think that you say that but i think you could say that about any 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 player even the real 
the people who are stacked with medals, like David Beckham, for example, had moments of absolute heartbreak. You know, penalty shootout defeats and semi-final defeats. And Arsenal won the cup on penalties against Manchester United. They killed them. They destroyed us that day. So that's just part and parcel. It's the fact that he was at the peak. What's fascinating in the book, I didn't know this, is that when he wasn't flying and he refused to fly, he had a fear of flying, Arsenal reduced his contract. But he was fine and, with uh, that as well. That's what I liked about it. He, he accepted it. He said, I but can't in 2003, in 2003, the summer before the Invincible season, he nearly left the club because they gave him a new contract offer, massively reduced from the year before. Yeah. It's extraordinary when you read these things, isn't it? But, really? he did, but he did the next day, David Dean realised, because basically Dennis Burkham sent to his agent, you know, put a little he story linked it out to there. the press. Yeah, yes. and uh, and David Dean went, "Oops!" and they gave him a proper contract the next day. I love the details in this book, by the way. I mean, it was such a pleasure rereading it. I'd read it in about a week, and it took me about four days this week to reread it. There was a stuff about him. A lot of players would, once they got slight ankle injuries, they'd play with strapping on the ankles all the time. But he wouldn't train with strapping, would he? He'd just no. play on the Saturday. I mean, he was like a thoroughbred racehorse, wasn't he? And he and, and when he was... I Listen, I agree with you, T, that maybe he should have won more. But you know what? 20 years later, we're talking about him with the same sort of reverential love that we had at the time. And I think... I, I don't really... It's not really about... It's not really about the trophies, um, I guess. I just feel that he... With the you know with the missed penalty with the if you think about the culture of uh, of the Arsenal team during the Arsene Wenger years for example you know you could say at one point if it wasn't twenty degrees with the right kind of cut of grass then we would lose do you know what I mean there were those da- <laughs> there were those days where the wind was blowing in the wrong direction and the sun was the sun's shadow was wrong we wouldn't win perfect conditions we're going to win not perfect conditions we got rolled over by you know for whether in nefarious that, ways well, that was true for a while but that wasn't true in the real height of it but, though was it they were they went unbeaten away from home twice sure. for a whole season. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere they went, I did. They were unbeaten. Yeah, I did think about whether I was going to make this point or not. But <laughs> and I guess, no. the, I guess the flying and the missed penalty. And I don't know. I'm not saying there's an asterisk on his career. I'm not saying that at all. No, I'm not saying that at all. No, no, but it, I, do, it was I great... do wonder about certain things. And and again, looking back on this, and is that I found the most interesting bit because I remember most of the Arsenal stuff, and have read that. You know, that was what stayed when I read the book the first time round. Just the stuff about his relationship with Sosa at Inter, I just found fascinating. Like him at Inter, I thought was really, really interesting. I actually was, I was too small for him. He says, he says, second or third, you know, second or third level, you're cruising. So he goes to Inter and he talks about his philosophy of the game. And like Sosa just didn't pass to anyone, basically. Or, um, and he says, um, and one of the criticisms from when they go to the Italians um, is that he wasn't Ronaldo. You know what I mean? He need, and he says himself, quote, I need other players around me. That's when I become a good player because I need them to perform like me. I need them to be moving for me, you know? Um, well, he went there, didn't he, in the hope that he would, um, they would be like AC Milan were and the, the idea being that he was going to be the Dutch player who was going to be like Hullet and Van Basten, but for Inter and were Inter going to play a more expansive pressing attacking game and it didn't work and they reverted to old school Italian defence well he said he said didn't he that he arrived in the middle of what was essentially a religious war in Italy between Catanaccio and the other and the newer way the Milan way of playing and I love by the way 
the book is beautifully written. I think. I mean, it is really worth a read. I know we're uh, we read it. It was it wasn't a hardship to reread this book. No, it is brilliant. So uh, next week on the Tuesday Book Club, uh, we'll be doing uh, Thierry Henry by Philippe Auclair. Oh, that's and, very uh, interesting. I've given Keith uh, two full weeks to read that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like the idea of Tuesday Book Club. Can we do my book at the end of June? <laughs> yes. We can plug all of your fine work here. <laughs> Ian's you, got a book coming out called To Be Someone. Buy that, please. Ian's got a... Uh, and you're both working on a rival Arsenal podcast. <laughs> We are, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. Unbelievable disloyalty. It's not rival. Um, it's not rival. It's a, it's a sister podcast, I think. I a like sister it. podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, in the spirit of, if you enjoyed this, maybe try this. And, and it's called Handbrake Off. Handbrake oh Off, yes. So you can try that. Now, before you, before, um, you leave, gentlemen, can we just do a quick final on this day? May the 16th is the day in question. We've got two to choose from. Uh, May the 16th, 1998. Or May the 16th, 1999, which, which was your favourite day? <laughs> I'll, I'll refresh the listeners' memory. In that, May the 16th, 1998, we played Newcastle at Wembley in the FA Cup final. And May the 16th, 1999, we played Aston Villa at home, where if we won the game and Manchester United didn't win, we were going to be champions. And uh, at one point on that day, Tottenham Hotspur were a goal up at Old Trafford. They were. Uh, they let and, us down uh, like they always they, do. Unless Ferdinand, they, as yeah. if they were ever going to do unless anything Ferdinand for Ferdinand started us. wondering what had he done. The 98, yeah. well, 98, um, I can remember much, much clearer. Um, and it was a much happier uh, occasion um, because it was the day that I met Keith. That's it was right. the day I met Keith. She um, was nice. Although I do, I have disputed this with you because I still think that it might have been after the Everton game when we won the league that you met. I, Keith. but I know you've always you've always maintained it was on the on the cup final day. I think it was. Oh, God, you got me casting. You got me doubting it. Anyway, what what can't be disputed is who I is who. <laughs> what can't be disputed was that Arsenal won. Who I was with because it was the same person on each occasion. It was a young lady called Rachel at the time, and Rachel and I walked through the door at Pizza Express on uh, Upper Street. And Pizza Express is into green. You were coming yeah, out. Um, you walked. Um, I walked in through the outdoor, as they say. Um, and you and <laughs> and you and. I was with Kath, my then girlfriend, and Keith. And I had dreadlocks. And this is for the, hello to all the new listeners, by the way. Everyone else is rolling their eyes already. Yeah, if you don't, so you don't know, know the story. story. So many of you have heard the story before. Attire do also. <laughs> <laughs> so we meet in the doorway. We don't know one another. We've never met. There's a little dozy Joe in the doorway. There's a dozy in the doorway. And, little... <laughs> and, and I remember. So Between Keith and Ty, a little embrace. Yeah, a little kind of supporters kiss from Keith. On little Keith, kiss. little kiss on my cheek. So I turned to, you know, I turned yeah. to um, Rachel and said, "Oh, you know, that was, that was, that was Jonathan Creek, that was." Um, and uh, so and we and went in. More. Keith and I went in, and Keith turned to me, and and he goes, "She was nice." <laughs> and I said, huh? "That was a bloke." And he said, "That wasn't." <laughs> oh. And uh, Kath said, "That was a bloke." And well, she wouldn't have said that; she was American. So that was a guy. And, uh, and uh, I said, Keith, he had a beard. And fast forwards to probably <laughs> around, hold on, 2001. And we started going, and we started meeting in a pub in 2001. 
Yeah, so probably the season we were talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. and we're sitting around one day and we're talking about this, and I say, "Oh, I've met you once before, before I knew you. It was in the PC Express. You hold on, you were Keith. You were the, <laughs> you were there. Yeah, you gave me a kiss. Yeah, and he still won't have You stopped your pint halfway towards his mouth and went. I told you it was a bloke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She, she was she was nice and uh, <laughs> and after that we said that on a podcast about i don't know how many years ago and i've i've received so many photographs of men with beards and she was nice yes, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> absolutely wonderful but that was a magnificent day one of the greatest days of my certainly my football supporting life if not my actual life we hired a limousine and went up the thought we, we, we thought we had a brilliant idea to hire a stretch limo like a hen party uh, until we got on the road to Wembley and the past, about six other stretch limos passed us full of Arsenal support. In a traffic jam, in a traffic jam on the A1, uh, sitting in traffic next to two more stretch limos. That is what I remember. We're all sitting there but waving. There was, it, it was so brilliant because you could have the little TV on, watching the, on the ball or whatever it was, the, the cut final preview with the champagne on the go. It was marv. The whole thing was marv. That was the best weekend of my life. That was the best it was weekend. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant won weekend. Two nil. Alan nearly equalised. Two nil on a correct score double. I won 120 quid on Mark Overmars <laughs> on a correct score double. Got back in a limo, and then my first boy was born. Elliot was born the next day. That yes, day, the day after. That's right. I remember that yes, now. That and I remember you nice saying weekend. you leant over his cot. You leant over his cot, and you said to him. Mark over Mars, over, over, over Mars, over, over, over Mars, Mark over Mars. Petit's pass, and it's over Mars, he's passed Pistoni, and Arsenal have taken the lead. Well, one Dutchman may be missing, but the other one is there. And already he's left his mark on the 1998 FA Cup final. Mark Overmars! Mark Overmars! <laughs> over, 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 Mark! Yeah. And that is why he's never come to the football, isn't it? <laughs> he's not a fan you of the football. put him off football for life. And no, he's not a fan of the football, as we know. And also I missed his, I think it was eighth birthday, because I was in Paris watching Arsenal play uh, Barcelona in the and Champions League. And that's the League real final. reason why he And I said like to him... Well, I said to him, listen, you're going to have many, many birthdays. This could be the only Champions League final we ever get to. Never a truer word spoken. Yeah. And uh, and the other one, Carnu scored the winner. We beat Villa and Manchester United uh, beat Tottenham at Old Trafford. It's the second time Tottenham had lost at Old Trafford that season because they also lost in the FA Cup semi-final at Old Trafford that season to Arsenal. Arsenal. And I was filming in Manchester, I was filming a television series for ITV called Bob and Rose, which is still, I think, it's the best television work I've done. I really like that programme. That was great. Keith Keith had a ticket. I had a ticket. I gave my ticket to Keith. He met a total stranger and gave this brother a lift up to Manchester and then didn't come and see me after for a drink because this guy wanted to go back. I felt quite (laughs) put out. But uh, I'm more put out by the fact that Keith has never watched Bob and Rose. He refuses to watch it just because Bob, the character I played, is gay. And I I told Keith that I had two or three scenes. Kissing scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he, he reacted so strongly. I thought it said more about him than it did about 
the notion of, of my playing a homosexual character. But I'm very proud of that work, very proud of that series, and it is available on DVD on eBay for about 49 pence. So do... That features one of my favourite Pires goals. Bob, Bob and Rose. Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Was that Series 2? I don't remember that. <laughs> no, there wasn't a Series 2, but if there was... Robert that Pires semi-final. That semi-final. Because I think... Um, is it, is it Will, yeah, Will Tull puts it across to him, and he just taps it in. And I, love, I just love Bob's tap-ins because... Because that's all he ever did. Yeah. He was always well. No, it's not all he ever did. But it's so often. No, of course not. So, so many, often he did. So many ones. He, did, he was there so often because he always made that run. So he, he, when we beat, when we when we talked about this when um when we beat them in two thousand and two uh, um on their own ground two thousand four sorry on their own ground um yeah. if it gets spilled by the keeper then of course Robert Pires is going to be there to tap it in. He's on the back post. Yeah, he, he was one of the greats. He signed for us. Uh, in in 2000 from Marseille and um, he was the Overmars replacement because of course we lost Overmars and Petit to Barcelona we also signed Edu as a replacement for Petit and I, I'd forgotten this but Edu turned up at the airport do you remember? and they wouldn't let him in the country and he'd been given a European passport by his agent and it was a fake and they sent him back to Brazil yes, remember you don't remember that, that. And so then we had to we thought we were getting an EU qualified player but he wasn't. He was a Brazilian and he wasn't in the national team because there are 900 Brazilian footballers playing in Europe. That's not an exaggeration. And many of them aren't good enough to play for the national team. Him included. It took a long time to get a work permit and we didn't have him for I, much of that. I, I would do the same as you. I was looking to see the transfers that season. Guy Demel, anyone? Do you remember him? Guy Demel. Se- Sebastian no, Sebastian Sfard. No, but my yeah. favourite no one idea. was Tomas Danilevicis. <laughs> We paid a million pounds for him. Yeah. A million. Yeah. Was he Lithuanian or yeah, I think he might have been. Yeah. Might have been Estonian. Yeah. He'd had a good trial and they took a punt on him. All right. Uh, but, yeah, it's safe to say that the outstanding signings of, the, of that summer were Lauren, Pires, Edu and Will Tord. Anyway, gentlemen, listen, an absolute pleasure um, to share this time with you in lockdown, talking about all things football. Enjoy the Bundesliga <laughs> if you uh, if you watch it. Oh, 15 minutes, and... it kicks off. <laughs> kicks off in 15 minutes. Uh, let's hope Bayern Munich don't win the league because uh, still, I'm still in pain over my experience in the Allianz Arena. Uh, Cheers, see, mate. see you soon, Jets. See you, mate.